Well, I think that like life's truly rich experiences are not usually just happy. You know, I think there's usually kind of a mix of different emotions that you're feeling at the same time. There's just this richness of all these different feelings swirling together. And that's what makes uh, an experience really, really rich and really stick to your bones. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for wedding craves, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so that you can learn from us and to help grow your wedding business. A few weeks ago, we were contacted by experienced designer and consultant Julie Comfort, pitching herself as a potential guest on the podcast due to her unique perspective on the wedding industry. And as I sat reading her initial email, I was thinking to myself whether or not I actually knew what experience design was, and I was intrigued. As Julie explained, experience design is a fairly new but growing field that takes a holistic, human-centered approach to design, part of a much bigger societal shift that's guiding us towards a future of events designed around people and not things. With only a few emails back and forth, we most certainly had found a guest that we wanted to learn more from in today's episode, especially now that we're probably all rethinking what is truly essential. And we also wanted to hear if Julie foresees any shifts in the weddings towards something more meaningful with experience in mind. Of course, if you haven't heard of Julie Comfort before, that's okay. As regular listeners will already know, we don't just want to hear about what our guests have to say on a specific topic, but we also like to get to know them as people outside of their industry. So we'll be talking to Julie and getting to know her a little bit better, as well as her business. This episode is, of course, sponsored by With Jack, but I will get onto that a little bit later in the show, which turns out to be this year's Christmas special. What about that, Greg? Are you drinking some eggnog? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'm drinking some Chip Coffee Co., I don't know where they're from. It came in my subscription just yesterday. So first taste mm-hmm. of it today. It's a Dulima Colombian washed with flavor notes of red currant, chocolate and hobnobs. So I'm excited about Ho- that. Hobnob the biscuits? Yeah. I'm going to give it a wee taste. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I'm liking that. Yeah. What are you drinking? Um, I'm actually trying to reduce my caffeine intake. Um, so I'm actually drinking a, a lemon and ginger hot tea. Ooh. Uh, I've been feeling unwell of 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 late. Uh, so after having spoken to the doctor, I am apparently dehydrated, and I have been for a while. So I am upping my fluids, and uh, yeah, fun times. Get better. But soon. we are with. Julie Comfort. Hello, Julie. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thanks. What are you drinking today? Uh, I have a Guatemala Antigua uh, roast from the roastery across the street from me, which is actually in a cemetery. And uh, I don't know anything oh. about the flavor profile, but it's it's good. I like it. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. Interesting. <laughs> do, they, do they roast their own coffee beans? Yeah. Yeah, it's a cafe and they have a little roastery there and um, they roast cool. their own beans. Yeah. And very it's a very cool. tranquil setting uh, to have a cup of coffee. <laughs> very quiet. 
I just want to be doubly cautious here. They don't roast dead bodies either, do they? <laughs> I don't they're, they're, that, that's a separate business, Craig. I, I hope so. <laughs> Flavor notes, kind of an ashy <laughs> mouthfeel. You're like, mm, mm, oh yeah. no, I don't, uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why my head just automatically went there. But um, pre, pre-show pre uh, chat when Greg was away, uh, probably making his coffee. Um, we were chatting about what we had been up to recently, which mm-hmm. wasn't much. <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, it's it's getting to that point where I'm just, I'm craving um, so, like real social life interaction. Yeah. yeah. You know? Absolutely. Like, I, I, I'm assuming that's the same with everyone else. Yeah. And obviously, uh, Christmas decorations are up in my house. Yeah. What were you guys? Have you, everything all up and about? Yep, yep. I got a little tree. We actually had it delivered because I live um in a fifth floor walk up. So that was, oh my that God. was a nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh man that was a nice service. And I guess it's in a pot, and they're going to replant it in the forest after in January. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Oh, yeah. now I feel bad because we've got a Christmas tree, but it's just chopped. Yeah. Do you not, Simon, do you not try and plant them every year in your garden, though? Uh, yeah, so every year we, we tend to buy two Christmas trees. One is kind of the main one that gets cut down because we go with the kids to mm-hmm. uh, uh, a forest farm, tree farm, and, you know, it's a bit of an activity, and you, you cut it down, and you wrap it up, you put it on top of your car, and you take it home, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a whole day's or, or weekend activity with the kids. But at the same time, I also like to buy a potted tree as well from them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those trees, we do, we, we keep them. And then after Christmas, I, I plant them outside. Um, <laughs> so we do, and I actually name them as well. So <laughs> we've got the first one that I planted a few years ago. Um, he's called Christopher Pine <laughs> uh, or Chris Pine. I, I've got a little baby, baby tree, which I call it just baby pine. And then I've got, last year we, we had another one. And he's on the other side of the cars, and his name is Harry Potted. Because <laughs> we were watching Harry Potter at the time of <laughs> naming him. <laughs> oh, that's clever. Our, our Christmas tree is named Barbara. Barbara? Yeah. <laughs> I feel so boring. I've just got a, a fake tree that comes out of the loft every year, and it doesn't have a name. What, what's this all about? Hey, you're, you're saving the atmosphere, right? <laughs> you, you green soldier, you... Good for you, Greg. <laughs> Although I am very disappointed, Greg. I noticed you didn't put your your annual doing the Christmas tree time lapse up. I think I only did that once. Uh, are Maybe you twice. Sure? Maybe twice. I, okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm 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 totally I'm totally missing the Christmas markets and yeah. you know usually we take the kids to see Santa Claus and and with the newest restrictions we that we that we just couldn't travel to the location of the Santa. So that got canceled. And yeah, it's a bummer. The Christmas markets here in Germany are, are pretty special. And of course they're all closed this year. So no oh. glue vine. <laughs> well, yeah, they've taken away our glue vine. Yeah. Uh, that must be man. a big dent to the economy as well. Cause that brings a lot of tourism. Does it not? The Christmas markets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Are you, do you, could you, you have a, you have kids, right? I have two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do they? Do you take them out to the Christmas markets, or like, what? What, what are you doing with them this time of year normally? 
Yeah, absolutely. We would be going to the Christmas markets at least every weekend. Um, you know, there's always a lot of stuff going on, even in our neighborhood. There's always glue vine stands and stuff like that, but not this year. So mm. we're just being a uh, cozy at home. My, uh, we hygge, as we say, because my, my youngest daughter is half Danish. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> so, so what are you doing instead then? Just a lot of Christmas music at home and candles, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just being cozy. I have to ask, what, what's your go-to Christmas music? Oh, God, I just put on the Yule Log on YouTube. I don't overthink it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> what about you, Greg? Usually, if I remember rightly, you like kind of alternative kind of Christmas albums. Um, I have done in the past, but mm-hmm. there's quite a lot of classics. There's, I think I've got a couple of Christmas playlists that I've created throughout the years. There's mm-hmm. quite a lot of classics in there. There's, was it She and Him, the Zoe Deschanel band? Oh, I was they just going to mention that album, yes. actually. I have that Christmas album as well. <laughs> oh, that's not been on my, my album. Oh, I'm going to download that right now, Get Greg. Good, Get good reminding on. me. Yep. Yeah. She and Him. Yeah, that's a good one. Manchester Orchestra um, put out a Christmas album just this year. They Yes, I noticed they've got like a part one. Is that right? Is that Yeah, it's a wee bit slow and not exactly exciting for Christmas. So not sure I'd recommend it for everybody. Yeah, certainly not for kids. <laughs> like, oh, dad, take your music off. <laughs> like, but this is great, guys. Can't dance to it. Like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I have to say, um, I'm all about the Michael Bublé. <laughs> I don't know what it, I know. I know. Uh, usually, I in the past years I have been full on, you know, the pop, the old pop Christmas songs, you know. Uh, but I know something about Michael Bublé and that kind of style of music that just makes the rooms feel warmer. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm partial to Frank Sinatra. I'm from New Jersey oh. originally. And yeah, so we had some Frank Sinatra Christmas songs on the other night. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you on that one. In fact, what was the Frank Sinatra and David Bowie song? The Drummer Boy? Uh, I can't that- remember. That sounds about right, though. Mm, classic track. Anyway, Greg, you're you're lucky you don't have kids. Well, maybe <laughs> you're not lucky you don't have kids. Because having kids at Christmas is wonderful. Yeah, it's certainly um, hard work. Yeah. yeah. I normally yeah. get the benefit of being uncle and getting to go up to my sisters for Christmas, but... This year, with everything that's going on, it'll just be at home. I'll go to my, my parents. It'll just be the three of us. And then mm-hmm. we'll just have to FaceTime and <laughs> video call the kids and yeah. see how they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel like Debbie Downer's over here. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners will be like, fucking hell, guys. Especially if they're listening to this like after Christmas. <laughs> They'll be like, let's get rid of this Christmas chat. Well, actually... Uh, Julie, have you ever used TikTok? Uh, are you a TikTok kind of person? No, no, I, no. I think I'm too old for the TikTok. <laughs> yeah, well, same here, same here. Um, I went through a phase maybe last year where I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk, uh-huh. and uh, you know he's always going on about TikTok and and stuff. And I mentioned to Greg, and he was like, ah, "I don't want to do another social media account." <laughs> no. And I'm, I'm, I, I was feeling the same way, but just recently we we're, you know. Since I'm not editing too much, I've been going past oh, uh, go, going through past weddings and editing um, like Instagram reels. Mm-hmm. So you know, like 15 seconds. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe maybe now's the time. I had already set up a cinematic account for TikTok uh, way back when, 
Uh, so I just thought, well, I've got this content already made. I'll just throw it up on TikTok and see what happens. Because I don't really understand TikTok, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but on the night of the morning after I did that, Greg texts me and said that we're go- you're going viral. We're going <laughs> viral, apparently. So, wow. yeah, one of our videos was hitting, and I don't know what a good viral number is, but I would consider this to be fairly high for us. Um, 300, well, almost 360,000 views wow. on one video. It's of an elopement that we shot with with uh, South Africans, but the wind has blown up um, our groom's kilt and is kind of lifting <laughs> up a bit. Uh, p- picture like uh, Marilyn Monroe, you know... <laughs> And for some reason, that is just shot into popularity from our TikTok account in one day. Wow. And I can't, I can't quite understand it. And I think it's... I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, as a person who's only been on TikTok for like this the second day, I don't really know what to expect. But I'm looking at this going, okay, I think humor has something to do with it. I think a little bit of raunchiness. <laughs> the kilt certainly helps. <laughs> But I don't know. So if any of of our listeners are like TikTok, TikTokers, Tik TikTokians, <laughs> I don't know what the <laughs> what the word is here. Um, reach out to us because I'm intrigued to get to know your thoughts and opinions on TikTok. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what sort of impact it has on sort of referrals or generating leads. Because obviously, mm. Instagram's great for generating leads. Yep. TikTok feels like it's a younger generation. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to sort of understand how that's going to translate into leads or anything. But yeah. for right now, it's just repurposing content that we've got. And it's a fun little experiment to try yeah. while we've got the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's interesting just now just while Simon's <laughs> yeah. playing about with that. It is, it is really interesting. Um, the comments are kind of a, mi- a mixed bag for me as well because... Um, I mean, I think part of the reason why the clip is getting uh, pushed out a little bit further than usual and getting more views is because the idea of... and There's this really unhealthy debate going on I see in the comments about <laughs> men wearing skirts, kilts, and then political views, and then, oh, for some reason, Christianity gets brought into it. And I'm like, <laughs> what on earth? How do these people get to these weird, rambling comments here? But I did see one bride who notice that Neil uh, the celebrant who's in the video yeah um is doing their wedding next year so there's a potential conversation that could open up to allow a potential booking mm. but uh yeah I haven't gone down that route yet but yeah that's fun <laughs> but yeah so Julie when you came to us to say that you know you had a really interesting perspective on the wedding industry um, obviously, what I like to do, as you know, uh, I like to kind of research a little bit. And uh, it, it's kind of a, an interesting thing because I really didn't know much about the topic that you came to us with. Mm-hmm. However, be- before we get into actually what that is, I came across the fact that you had created a magazine. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Rabble? Rabble. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. First of all, the magazine looks cool. I have to say it looks uh, brilliant. Thank you. Do, do you want to tell us a little bit about the magazine? Like, how, how did that come about? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, so I was a wedding photographer, obviously, for, for about 10 years. And when I moved to Europe, I was kind of ready for a change in my career. And I d- 
didn't really know what to do with myself. And I, I have a, she's now a teenager, but I have a daughter who at the time was a preteen. And I was just kind of looking for a creative project that might also make some money. And I had this idea of, uh, I, I remembered the magazines, uh, the teen magazines that I used to read when I was younger. And I wanted to create sort of like a cool teen magazine, but for a slightly like a, for a preteen audience, she was, I think nine at the time. So mm -hmm. that was kind of where I was, what I was thinking. And also just coming from a totally self-serving perspective, I thought it would be really fun to get to interview all of these really interesting people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of geared toward girls. It's empowering. You know, I wanted to interview a lot of interesting role models, especially in the creative field, mm -hmm. artists, musicians, that kind of thing. And I just thought it would be a really fun project to do uh, collaboratively with my daughter. I thought it could be something really interesting in the market. I didn't really see anything like that for her. I found a lot of the magazines and stuff for kids that age were not very sophisticated. Mm -hmm. um, they were kind of cartoony. And I just, I just thought, you know, there's this, there's this group of girls in the world who are really creative really sophisticated and I wanted to create something for them. And so it kind of came about uh, from, from there. And so I did that for a couple of years. I had a partner and actually she's taken over. I'm not really working on the magazine anymore, but, oh, right, um, okay. but I did, I did start it and uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And it was, it was really fun and creatively it was really fulfilling as well because I got to do, mm -hmm. you know, it kind of combined all of these different creative arenas from my life, photography, design, writing, um, all that kind of stuff. So uh huh. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's very cool. It's it's very uh you know for for creative individuals it looks very nice. It's very <laughs> nicely designed. I have to say, it's it, was that your photography talents put to use there for the initial copies or? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. my photography and also my design. So in art school, I studied photography and graphic design. So I was kind of a co major. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cool and. um Obviously, I, I haven't read much. Obviously, it's it's not for me. However, <laughs> obviously, I have a young daughter. Um, so I'm going to be keeping uh, a note of this magazine uh, so that when she gets old enough that I will uh, give her copies to read because I, yeah. I, I, I think it's I think the content in it is really good. Cool. You know, Thanks. my wife is uh, uh, an empowerment, uh, w woman empowerment and, and feminist and she, I think she'd uh, love it as well. So... Thanks. I mean, I, I, I'm just I'm super impressed by it. So yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. You you said you're a co-creator with your daughter, and the, the, was there another another person that you were working on it as well? I came across yeah. this YouTube video that I watched a little bit of, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm and I've forgotten to take a note of the name, and I can't I totally can't remember it. Catherine Hart. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah. I subscribe to your channel. She doesn't put enough out there yeah, to get on that <laughs> will, YouTube channel. I will tell her that. <laughs> her, her, content, her content's awesome as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's, so, a, yeah. she's an amazing artist in the States. She's a muralist, and she's doing some mm. really incredible things with the community there. So yeah, I no, agree. It's really cool. She needs more content. <laughs> <laughs> and if she hears that, she'll be like, oh, man, I'm already working on so much. I understand. <laughs> like, it's busy, and, and YouTube is a, it's, it's a full-time job as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I understand why the content hasn't been there. <laughs> our, uh, our listeners of the podcast as well I think in fact when you emailed us you were like oh I noticed you haven't put out a couple of episodes in a while I'm like yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> we're not the best at it uh, <laughs> we do try but 
uh, yeah, I can completely understand. So, <laughs> yeah. Julie, we always like to ask this question to our guests. Who are you and what do you do? Okay. Um, I am an experienced designer now. And, um, she's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm an American expat living in Berlin and I have worked in the wedding industry for about 12 years now. And right now I basically help people in the wedding industry design more meaningful experiences. Okay. Now, I'm right in saying that you didn't start in experience design. No. Obviously, you, you, you mentioned, you know, uh, was it college that you went to or? Yeah, I went to art school yeah. in California and mm-hmm. then I was a destination wedding photographer for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, how did you get from there to experience design? Yeah. So I was, um, so actually as a wedding photographer, I was primarily based in Costa Rica, um, which was fantastic. I was, uh, really a big fish in a small pond there. So I had a great career. I had two uh, associate photographers that worked for me and we shot weddings all over the country. And I was traveling at that time. I kind of specialized in beach weddings. And so I got a lot of sort of tropical beach weddings all over the world and, and things were great. And then in 2015, I decided to move to Europe. It was a dream of mine. I always wanted to live here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the industry had changed so much in the 10 years since I had started. Um, well, I guess at that time it, it wasn't quite 10 years yet. But, um, you know, when I, when I started out, there was no social media or anything like that. I mean, I <laughs> built my business purely based on personal relationships mm-hmm. and having my work published in blogs and magazines. And that was it. Add, I didn't have to. the good old days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't have to like maintain a social media account. I didn't have um, this. I, I guess I had an online presence, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like an inst. I had no followers on Instagram, like, you know, very small following mm-hmm. on Instagram. So when I moved to Europe, it felt just completely overwhelming to think about sort of restarting my business here when I went from being not only a big fish in a small pond to now I'm a really small fish in basically the ocean. Of course, the <laughs> the market had gotten much more saturated in that time. There's a lot more photographers, especially here in Europe. Mm. And, um, and I felt like I was starting from scratch and I just also the, the rates had gone down so much since when I started. Um, and I was just reluctant to kind of start from the beginning again. And that's when I started mm-hmm. thinking about, making a career shift. And that's when I started the magazine. And then, um, and while I was working on the magazine, I, I had some ideas about expanding into kind of events and, and experiences for that audience of preteen girls. Mm -hmm. And I ended up taking this certification course at this school in Denmark called chaos pilot, which is sort of a design and, uh, social entrepreneurship school. Mm-hmm. It's a really, mm-hmm. really cool school in Aarhus, Denmark. And I went up there and I did the experience design course and it just like, it changed my life. It was one of those things where like the light bulb went off and I just thought this is what I'm supposed to be doing all along. I think my creative work all the way back from my art school days and through my wedding career, it was always about 
emotions and capturing emotions and creating emotions and experience design was like a creative field where you could actually create um, a journey for people that would trigger certain emotions. And that just really resonated with me. I thought this is what I want to do. And so that was a couple of years ago. That was sort of how I made the shift from photography into experience design. And then I was working as an experience designer, freelance experience designer on a lot of different projects. A lot of them were in the food industry and in events. And so then, of course, when in February or March, um, everything got canceled, I had, a, I had a moment of pause, which I think I kind of needed. It, it gave me a time to reflect on, on where I was going with my career yeah. because things had happened so quickly. And that was sort of, uh, at that time also, I had, a, I had a few engaged friends and who were coming to me for advice because I've been to so many weddings and um, it really made me see the potential for bringing my work with experience design to the wedding industry and kind of combining those two things. So that was sort of a convoluted way of how I got here. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting sort of path that you've taken and yeah. So let's, let's talk a bit about your photography. Like go back mm-hmm. a bit to, mm-hmm. are, are you still shooting weddings at the moment? Uh, so I had one, I'm basically retired from wedding photography. Right. I had one wedding booked for this, this Christmas season. Actually, it would have been this coming weekend uh, here in Germany. Um, and I was really looking forward to it because they were going to take all of their guests to a Christmas market and serve them glue vine. And oh. it was be amazing. So that's happening next year. And I'm, I'm right. still committed to shooting it next year. But that's the only thing I still have on the books as a photographer. And I've in the last few years, I've shot a few weddings here in, in Europe. But for the most part, um, I'm sort of semi-retired, I would say. Yeah. Mm. You mentioned that it was quite a lot of beach weddings and stuff. Mm-hmm. What, what sort of style would you say you had with photography? I mean, I definitely had a more of a photojournalistic, um, you know, that kind of just real life kind of style. I was really into kind of capturing the imperfect moments. My favorite photos were always the ones at the end of the night when like the table was trashed and there's, (laughs) you know, stuff everywhere and kind of the aftermath. Those were always my favorite photos. And, um, but I mean, I think they were also, um, pretty as well. And I've had people call my work mysterious and seductive. I always sort of lean more towards black and white. It's like really kind of dark contrasty black and whites. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, mostly, you know, reportage basically. Well, what was that about the, the most recent wedding then that made you want to book it? Um, well, it's actually someone I know and uh, she okay. was familiar with my work and she, yeah. she really wanted me to shoot it. And I mean, I've had a lot of friends ask me to shoot their weddings and I, I don't really, I, I don't mind shooting friends' weddings, but mm-hmm. some of them I, I just want to be a guest. Yeah. Enjoy myself. You're a real human. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, like if I don't know a lot of people, I think it's really, it's actually kind of nice to be, to have that uh, buffer, I guess, of the camera. Um, mm. I like, it's a social buffer to have a camera. I think it gives you access to people that otherwise it might be too awkward to approach them. So, so <laughs> in those cases, I actually really enjoy being the photographer mm-hmm. as well as the guest. But, um, but when I know a lot of people, I just want to 
drink and relax and have fun. <laughs> yeah, totally. Would, would you would you would you describe yourself as an introvert or? Oh, absolutely. I'm. A, oh, yeah, I'm okay. a poster child for introversion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I heard this uh, this new term, which I I don't know how I feel about it, but it describes me. It's a it's an introverted outrovert. Yeah. <laughs> which means that you're sometimes like really outgoing when you're like in the mood and you're like yeah. oh yeah what? and you're really big but then when you're not you're just like in the house and That's sometimes <laughs> you know you'd have friends go oh remember that time I, I couldn't come over I'm like yeah I know COVID <laughs> sorry yeah. I mean, that's definitely me. I think some people are actually a little surprised to find out I'm an introvert because I am very social and I can be very outgoing. I'm definitely not shy, but uh, I also really enjoy my alone time. So yeah, I've done okay through the uh, through this past year. <laughs> yeah, totally. So throughout the sort of process of you getting into experiential design and stuff, mm-hmm. when did Comfort Studios become a thing? So actually I started Comfort Studio like 15 years ago and it's just gone through several different uh, lives. Um, It actually started out as a graphic design studio Mm -hmm. and I had planned on, um, I had decided to move to Costa Rica with my husband and daughter at that time. And um, I was just planning on doing web design. It was something I could do from anywhere. And I was working for a wedding photographer and I happened to find out as we were researching Costa Rica that there was kind of this up and coming uh, wedding industry there. So it's sort of by accident that I even got into wedding photography. I had this, uh, I had been gifted a really nice digital camera. And before that I only shot film. And at that time shooting a wedding on film seemed unfathomable, but um, I had gotten like a new (laughs) Nikon. um, I can't remember which one it was back then. Like, I want to say D 700, but, um, and I just thought, you know, I was working for a wedding photographer as a designer and I thought I could do this. There's an up and coming wedding industry. And I built a portfolio like purely with, I made my married friends put their wedding clothes on and like pose for me. And I basically did a bunch of style shoots and built a, a website that way. And I just kind of stumbled into wedding photography and, um, yeah, I, uh, I forgot your question, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a, a bit, uh, well, on a tangent, yeah. <laughs> basically, how, this, how the Comfort Studios was, was oh, formed. Yeah. So, so that's when Comfort Studio became a, my wedding photography business. And it was a wedding photography. It was just wedding photography purely until very recently when I was... I, I just wanted to be able to still use the name because I do have some name recognition in the industry, at least in the States. And um, so even though it's it's no longer a photography studio, I decided to, to keep using the name. Mm-hmm. I like that name. I think it's good. Yeah, thanks. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my last name is Comfort, so... <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's memorable and uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think it has a good good feel to it and and also I think if you know if people Google me then you can still come across my, some of my wedding photography stuff and wedding blogs and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I mean, oh, 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 I mean, obviously it's your name, but I mean, like uh, it, it just yeah the, the way it makes you feel when you hear it, you know, <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel safe, it makes you feel you, you know those those kind of things. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's go, let's go. Yeah, actually, that's why I kept the name after, even after I got divorced, it was my, my husband's last name, because, yeah, all those reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. So, so 
obviously over time, um, Comfort Studios became this experience design mm-hmm. uh, brand. Yeah. Um, well, was that an easy transition to, to get it to the experience design brand after it was being something else or was that a bit of a challenge? Or? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I really haven't been doing that much work the last few years in wedding photography. So mm-hmm. no one was really paying attention. <laughs> it was kind <laughs> <Cool>. of like <laughs> under the radar. I don't think anyone really Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Sometimes I think that, you know, as creatives, um, people are looking at our website all the time. Yeah. Like, I, like, like, oh, I made this change and you're waiting for someone to respond. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, no one can. <laughs> that might just be me, though. That might just, just be me. So obviously you've talked a little bit about, obviously you studied experience design and obviously why you kind of moved from that to photography. But what was it about experience design that drew you to st- to study it, to to have that be your 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 new focus. Yeah, I think it was kind of a fluke almost that I even ended up in that workshop. I just mm-hmm. um, I I heard about the Chaos Pilot School and I was looking at the website and I just happened to read about this course. And at the time, it was just one of those things that came onto my radar at exactly the perfect moment because I mm-hmm. was thinking about how I could engage my audience more and interact with them more. And Mm -hmm. then here was this perfect workshop to learn how to do that. And then in the workshop, that's when everything just kind of gelled for me because it was a way of, I think the emotions were always the outcome of what I was doing creatively. And this was a way to shift the emotions to sort of the beginning of the creative process where it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, what do I want people to feel? And then designing ways to make people feel that. And, um, and also it's a way of creating, it's sort of like a real life storytelling. Like you're creating a story, you're taking people through a story, you're taking them on a journey. And I just thought, man, this, this could make, having spent 10 years in the wedding industry and going to, I think I've been to over 250 weddings. (laughs) I just thought, why aren't people doing this for weddings? You know, I just uh-huh. like, I, I remember when I used to blog every wedding and I would struggle so much with writing any text. Like I knew text was important for the SEO, but I really struggled to write anything because to, to some extent, all the weddings sort of felt the same. And a lot of them just didn't have a story to tell. It was like, yeah, these two people got married. It was beautiful. Like, yeah. but I didn't have a story that I could tell about it. And mm-hmm. the ones that I did have a story to tell, like those are the ones that really stuck with me and really stand out in my memory. Yeah. And so I just thought, man, if you could create a story in a wedding that people will tell about it, then people will, it will really resonate with them. It will really stick to their bones. It'll be something that really moves people and is meaningful to them. Because at some point, if you go to a lot of weddings, like they really do start to kind of blend together to some, that's to some point, you know? Yeah. I, I remember, you know, back when we started that, you know, you'd want to blog as many weddings as you could, you know, Mm -hmm. for your brand. And, and it would get to a point when you're like, oh, man, um, it was a nice sunny day. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, like- and and you'd almost be like writing about everything that doesn't matter. Right. In a wedding. You know what I mean? 
And yeah. if you were to write about the stuff that didn't matter, it kind of felt maybe a little bit insincere because the last person did that in yeah. their ceremony or and the person before that and the person before that. And you're right. like, well, okay. Uh, well, like you, you, you're trying to get what these um, things that they're doing in their ceremony, what it means to them mm-hmm. when really they've gone to someone and they said, hey, you know, oh, people people like to do this at a wedding or people like to do this. And they've just gone, oh, yeah, that, that sounds good. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. Right. And um, it's it, and I, I remember having the same kind of thing about, like, uh, readings at weddings. <laughs> you know, you, you, you hear the same few readings. Oh God, it's, yeah. as if, it's as if, oh, I, I just want to give people in, in, in my family something to do at my wedding, so I'm going to pick this random reading that I've never really heard of, but I kind of like, and you yeah. can read that at the ceremony. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, I mean, that's it's lovely that you want to get these people involved, but why am I hearing about this bloody dinosaur <laughs> like a hundred times this year like and there's nothing I get, nothing wrong about you know that I can't, I can't remember what the what is it my little dinosaur no the lovely I, dinosaur I the lovely dinosaur one, <laughs> the, oh the lovely dinosaur oh it's 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 been very popular here in the past few uh-huh. years uh, <laughs> although at this point I'll take I'll take any reading any ceremony I just want to get back to a wedding yeah right <laughs> But it would be the same kind of reading, and and you know it, it it's cute and it, it's funny and it does make people think oh that, that that's not really a uh, a wedding reading, mm-hmm. um, but it is obviously a, a, a story or a reading about you know love and relationships and, and stuff. Just putting a kind of interesting slant mm-hmm. uh, with the aspect of the people being dinosaurs. But yeah, I, I just felt, you know, I was tr- trying to write these blogs and they're all kind of coming across the same way. So, um, yeah, I, I can completely understand that that struggle. Yeah, and I just started to feel like having been to so many weddings and meeting all of these different couples and the couples themselves were so different. And especially because I mostly did destination weddings, I was getting couples from all over the world a lot of different cultures and just really different people that didn't necessarily have that much in common with each other, but then their weddings were so similar. It really made me realize how little personal personalization goes Mm -hmm. into wedding planning. And I, you know, there's a lot of personalization put into the details, the colors, that kind of stuff. But I think that maybe that that's because that's the only thing people think that they can personalize and they don't realize that there's this opportunity to actually personalize the format or how they engage people. I just felt like there was this missed potential to make weddings just more personal and and more personally meaningful and really engage people. I think the other thing that sort of bothered me about all of the weddings that I went to was a lot of times they just treat their guests like an audience, you know, they're Mm -hmm. just there to witness it and they're not really bringing them into the experience and making them a part of it and making, giving them a really relevant role to play in the day. And to me, that was also a missed potential, like Mm -hmm. missed opportunity. Yeah. So obviously, you know, I, I mentioned traditions and and Mm -hmm. stuff. What's your, what's your thoughts on traditions then? 
I think that people just need to be more thoughtful and intentional about which traditions and which rituals they incorporate into their wedding, because Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with any of them. But I think the problem is a lot of people just kind of blindly follow the traditions without really putting any thought into what they actually mean. Uh Um, I mean, when I got married back in 2006, I really researched the origins of like all of the main wedding traditions. And I mean, Mm. some of them are so outdated and (laughs) kind of sexist and a little bit problematic. And, you know, but I really thought about which ones do I want to, which ones are meaningful to us Mm -hmm. and which ones do I want to throw away? And I think that some people, I think everyone should just be more intentional about, about which ones really fit them and their beliefs and values. Cause I think yeah. people, people are just like this, it's a wedding. This is what you do. And they just don't really put that much thought into it. It's like, Oh, you have mm-hmm. to do it or it's not a wedding, but yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a fair point. And when you were talking there, it got me thinking about the sky wedding we shot earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they, they did the quake ceremony, which is mm-hmm. where you pour whiskey into the sort of shared cup and mm-hmm. both of you drink out of it. Mm-hmm. But they, so that one's quite sort of popular in Scotland and mm-hmm. everything, but they decided to do it where they were getting married on Sky. So they mm-hmm. had Talisker whiskey, which is from Sky. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they brought some water from Glasgow with them. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a blending of where they got married and where they're from, where That's they live. Cool. So and that was a nice way to sort of personalize a tradition. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you noticed this, Greg, but they also kept the water in a... Uh, an old whisk, a, a small whiskey bottle that they had from their trip from uh, Japan. Yeah, it was actually a sake bottle. It was a, sa- oh, a sake bottle. <laughs> yeah. So, so they had that as well. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I mean. I think there's a lot of ways to personalize and modernize traditions and mm-hmm. not just kind of blindly follow them. And yeah, people should just be more personal and more thoughtful and intentional about what they what they bring into their weddings. With Jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives. Whether you provide a service like design, development or photography or offer advice to clients, With Jack is for you. It's focused on creatives. Insurance shouldn't be complicated, so With Jack has made every step easy. You'll deal with one form and talk to one Jack as you sign up get covered and move on with your day with jack is all about bespoke insurance for creatives simple that doesn't mean more forms or faff it means less it's not about endless features and stale service it's about one solid policy and the personal touch bye-bye unnecessary fuss hello creative friendly insurance be a confident creative well, were there any? Tra- well, obviously, you you mentioned that you threw some traditions away. But what what were those traditions, if you can remember? That uh, I threw away. <laughs> yeah, like I like, mean, most like, of what, them, what's important honestly. to you? Well, I didn't feel like you know I didn't want my my dad to walk me down the island, give me away to my uh, husband. Yeah, that felt right. really outdated to me. Yeah. Um, and even the veil, you know, like 
that that was when marriages were arranged and you didn't want to see the ugly bride because, you know, and the, <laughs> and the best man actually was to keep the groom from running away. <laughs> so yeah. We didn't have bridal parties, but the one tradition that I remember that was really the most meaningful to me that I definitely did keep was the rings. Um, the origin of that is that it was believed, I don't know if this is biologically true, but that the vein from your ring finger goes straight to your heart. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. And we talked about that in our in our ceremony when we did the ring exchange. Um, mm -hmm. That's that was really beautiful to me. Uh, yeah, I, I quite like that as well. Because yeah. I, I had heard that about the wedding ring. Um, yeah, and I did not want to do the cake cutting. I, I find the cake cutting to be the most embarrassing thing. And just when they feed each other the cake, I get really <laughs> embarrassed. It's like it's like feeding a baby. I don't know. I just it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I completely understand. <laughs> I I too have never really understood um the 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 whole cake thing. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what it represents. The first task that a couple do because then yeah. I think it has something to do with prosperity and showing okay. that you can afford to take care of each other and and that mm. kind of thing. And I know there was also something about the cake being white because back in the day it was very expensive to make a cake white apparently if you had Oh yeah, uh -huh. flour or something. But and um I believe that you were supposed to have the top of your cake be um like a dense kind of fruit cake. Yeah. That 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 had alcohol in it to preserve so that you would I think eat on the day of your firstborn. Oh, is, okay. that, is that right? I'm not sure. I don't Might know. There's also something about sleeping with a piece of cake under your pillow, but I think that's like for the single people you sleep with a piece of wedding cake <laughs> under your pillow and then you get married or something. I, I can't remember, but Oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Sleeping crazy the amount of traditions that are out there that you don't even know about. Yeah, and I don't think most people even really question them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining my bed covered in chocolate. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and having lived in Costa Rica for six years, like all I could think about was the ants. I mean, just oh, man, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not something I would have thought about right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, hang on. Oh, sorry. I, my wife just got. She just sent me a text because she can obviously hear me. Hang on. Uh, no, you eat the cake on the firstborn, first or christening, or the firstborn's christening. Sorry. Aww. Thank you, wife. Is she listening in on you? Well, she. This is gonna sound really bad. Uh, she's out there doing the laundry. <laughs> but that's that's just yeah. That's that's I I do the shopping. She does the laundry. That's how we split the tasks in the house. <laughs> so not to why... be not to be sexist. Why, in general, should sort of people consider taking a sort of experienced design approach to their gatherings? Uh, well, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think that a wedding is really, we don't have that many moments in life anymore where we like really have a gathering to celebrate some big life transition. I mean, we used to do that all of the time. And now there's sort of birthdays, weddings, graduations, and funerals, you know, there's just not that many occasions in life where you gather your entire community of people together to mark this really important moment in life. It's a big transition. And I just think, you know, if you do it right, you're only supposed to do it once. And it is a really big deal. And I think that there should just be more intention put into how it's done 
to make it meaningful for everyone who's there, not just the bride and groom or groom and groom, bride and bride, whatever. I just think that it's an important moment for everyone and everyone should actually get a sense of belonging by being there and feel like they're a part of a, you know, community and something important coming together. And to me, it just feels like people sort of take the form of a wedding and, and leave it there. And they're like, okay, we're getting married. And they don't really think about why it's important to have a wedding with those particular people at this particular time. And I just think if there was more intention put into the planning process and really bringing everyone into it, it just would be so much more meaningful and memorable for everyone who is there. I mean, I know I've definitely been to a handful of weddings that just felt like transformative. I mean, I left almost feeling high. Like I just was a part of something so magical and it, it just, changed me. And I think everybody really wants their wedding to be that. And they don't really know how to do it. And it's not enough to just get everyone you love in one room. People don't, you can't, connections just don't happen organically. I think you really have to help, help groups gel and help them come together and help create meaning for people. Mm. You mentioned earlier on about even in your photography that you were quite sort of a lot of your work was around the emotions Mm -hmm. of sort of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And even in the content that you're putting out just now, a lot of it focuses on embracing sort of all forms of emotion. Mm -hmm. So not just the sort of happiness. Mm -hmm. Why, why do you think it's important to embrace all sort of forms? Well, I think that like life's truly rich experiences are not usually just happy. You know, I think there's usually kind of a mix of different emotions that you're feeling at the same time. There's just this richness of all these different feelings swirling together. And that's what makes uh, an experience really, really rich and really stick to your bones. And I think that especially at weddings, we should be embracing all of those kind of different complicated emotions. I think it's okay to allow in some grief for the people who can't be there, especially now during COVID, if people are having to make all these sacrifices and not have everyone they want, I think it's okay to allow room for feeling grief. And, you know, maybe there's some complicated family dynamics that are at our play and disappointment and, joy and wonder and all of these different feelings coming together and everyone there is having their own emotional experience. And I think those, that's what makes life interesting. And, um, and I would like to see more people, like, I think people really are just like, okay, I want it to be a happy day. And there are so many more emotions, even in the positive spectrum to feel like curiosity, um, feeling welcome, feeling, uh, fabulous, feeling, you know, indulgent. I mean, I think there are all of these, there's so much nuance in our emotional lives that we should really be thinking bigger than just, I, I want everyone to have fun and for, to be happy. Yeah, totally. That meant, yeah. I, I think I mentioned this on one of the earlier podcasts that, you know, we're shooting, I, not Greg, I, I was shooting in Glen Etiv and, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple, you know, came to me and said, Hey, we have these flowers and they represent our grandparents. You know, can, can we, uh, go do something with these and uh you know i'm i'm all for you know letting the couple you know if they want to do something i'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and and you know f- help them find the best spot to to do this thing and they kind of had this little ceremony this this mm-hmm. little moment where they were both together and we stood back and they 
through the the roses or yeah yeah there were white white roses um into into the river into the glen mm-hmm. and um i kind of represented their um kind of honoring their grandparents who who couldn't be at the wedding that was mm-hmm. held you know a couple of days before and uh, i thought you know this is such a lovely moment mm-hmm. and it was you know obviously not a happy moment but an important one and uh, and obviously you know they they came to me again and was like hey is it okay to you know go paddling in, in over here and and that was you know a more of a you know uh happy moment yeah but, um you know i thought this was such an, a, a lovely thing and i just feel it's kind of rounded out this adventure that we've been having in this really um meaningful way mm-hmm. uh, that made me feel happy to to be a part of it just like yeah you were absolutely i think I think happiness is kind of overrated, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> I just there's just not that many moments in life where you're just truly happy without any intrusion of other emotions. And the thing about mm-hmm. grief uh, is that it makes us feel more alive. And you kind of need that balance of different emotions and mm-hmm. to have something meaningful. Yeah. I mean, also, there needs to be like a kind of an emotional journey that has ups and downs, because if you just have kind of one steady emotional state throughout the whole thing, then it's actually pretty boring. You know, if you even if everything is wonderful, it creates this new normal and you don't have that deviation. It just it's like meh. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Have you ever considered video editing, by the way, Julie? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I feel the way you're describing things, you would make a very, uh, j- just a perfect video editor. Because <laughs> I, uh, the, I mean, for that. well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I think more the the approach yeah. uh, to 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 crafting uh, something that is kind of emotionally driven, and you know uh, that you know if if there's people out there listening, if your if your films. Or everything that you create are that one level, like like Julie said. Yeah, it's it's, it's not going to feel rewarding. It's not going to feel like it's just going to feel a bit flat. It's, exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, every good story has you know like an arc. There's no straight yeah. lines. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it's just boring. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. They just think, oh, I want everyone to be happy and have fun the entire time. But you kind of have to, you have to bore people a little bit so that you can then, you know, so that when you do something fun or interesting, then it's, it's like this, you know, there's the valley and then the mountain, you know, and sort of the Mm -hmm. bigger the gap, the the greater the reward. Yeah. I mean, you know, after, you know, being a supplier, how good is that meal once you filmed a two hour long speech? It's yeah. the best meal of your bloody life. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, in, in in talking about embracing the range of emotions, um, how can we acknowledge and, and incorporate that range in a wedding? Uh, that's a really good question. You mean like uh, photographically well, or cinematically? Well, although our listeners are more probably interested in how they could do it in their work. Mm-hmm. As we all are people. How, how do we do that in, you know, in, in our events? Yeah. So, I mean, basically the way that I do experience design is to break the, any experience up into, into parts. There's sort of the anticipation phase, the engagement phase, and then 
kind of the reminiscing phase, which is everything that happens afterward. And what I do is always think about like, what do I want people to feel at this point? You know, like when they're walking into the wedding, what do I want them to feel? How do I want to make people feel? Um, and then, and then think about ways to make people feel those things. Um, you know, if you want people to feel welcome, then you, you stand there and you greet them. I mean, it's really not very complicated. Um, I think it's just a way of sort of shifting how we do things and, and thinking about the emotion first and leading with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like, you know, for people who are in business too, this can also be applied to customer experience design. I think that's actually probably one of the most important aspects of building your brand is mm -hmm. the experience that you deliver to your customers. And that experience begins the very first moment that someone hears about you. Yep. And also I think you want to create something after, after you're done working together, you want to give them something that will signal back to what it felt like to work with you and what that experience was like. And uh, people can use this to design their customer experience design as well, thinking about how do I want my clients to feel at every point in the process and what can I do to make them feel that way? If I afterward want them to feel appreciated, what can I send them that will make them feel like, you know, special? I know a lot of photographers send like a bottle of wine after or something like that. Mm -hmm. Those types of things. Like, I mean, obviously you get to deliver this video and that that's obviously <laughs> like going to remind them of the experience of working with you and, and yeah. the photos as well, but something that signals back to the relationship between you and your clients and um, really what you want them to feel about you. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. And I know this can't, uh, you've given a couple of examples and I don't know. And I know this kind of breaks the point of, you know, thinking about, uh, those moments for yourself, but could mm -hmm. you give a few other examples of what maybe a photographer could do um, to engage on different levels throughout sure. their, you know, from like, <laughs> say, from the moment, say, hey, I'm interested in booking you to, you know, even right to the end where you're about to deliver something. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of touch points throughout the process where it's possible to... Uh, make your clients feel really special. I mean, I think, um, I think probably for photographers, like in terms of business, the most important part is um, leading up to the wedding and really making the clients feel comfortable and secure with you. Obviously you're going to be following them around all day and you just, you want to build that rapport. Um, so I would think any way of sort of making a personal connection with them and also like, anything physical and tangible that you can give them or send them is always like really special. Um, any kind of, I know, um, I know one photographer, uh, Elizabeth Messina, she, she sends her contract in this really beautiful box and it's just the contract, but you get to open this beautiful package and it's basically communicating like our working together is a gift <laughs> and mm -hmm. it feels like a gift. Um, and, those kind of details are really ways to build in that, you know, that relationship, that connection with clients and take a little bit of the, the corporate businessy feel out of it and, yeah. and really just focus on the relationship. Because also, I mean, from, from my experience in photography, the more comfortable people feel with you, 
the more vulnerable they'll be in front of the camera. And it really is important to have that, that connection. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like sort of experience design works for sort of all aspects of life and work and sort of events. Absolutely. Do you think it works the same for smaller, smaller gatherings and elopement type thing, as well as large 200 person weddings. Yeah, absolutely. And the the kind of cool thing about experience design is it's accessible to anyone and it doesn't cost anything. I mean, of course there are ways to spend money on giving people experiences, but there are also things to do that are, that are totally free. I was talking to a client the other day and uh, her and her fiance met on Tinder and they're giving all of their guests these um, it's a match cards with someone else at the wedding that they haven't met before so that they have an opportunity to meet another guest because otherwise what happens at weddings is people just end up hanging out with the people they already know Mm -hmm. and you have people coming from all different circles different groups of friends different families they don't really intermingle unless you give them a reason to Mm -hmm. and so I just thought that's such a great idea Um, and it doesn't it doesn't really cost anything you know so it is something that can be done for any event, any, I mean, you could experience design a date, you know, with, and just kind of think about the journey that you want to take someone on, on a first date. I don't, I think it's something that can really be used in any context. Yeah. yeah. Would you, would you think about, um, cause I know, uh, couples try and get their families to mingle by, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at, at the dinner, when yeah. they just be like, hey, I'm going to you know, sit Auntie Margaret next to my friend Paul yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, what do you think of that? I mean, I think that that's a really nice idea. But I, again, I don't think it really works that way. I went to a <laughs> wedding as a guest um, a few years ago. And I was, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with The Daily Show. It's a, an American sort of mm-hmm. news satire yeah. show. Yep. And I was sat at a table with a bunch of writers from The Daily Show. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun dinner. I mean, these people are going to be really smart and funny. But we, we didn't, we, you know, after like kind of the initial, oh, how do you know the, the couple? Oh, how do you know the couple? Like it, the conversation just... <laughs> ended and it was just awkward and then you know it just ended up talking to my date and the other friends that I already knew and didn't have really any cross-pollination with the other people at the table first of all it's this big round table there's like a big thing of flowers in the middle it's not really Uh, conducive to having you know these kind of engaging conversations so actually I think dinner is one of the prime opportunities for Mm -hmm. helping people interact. And there's a lot of, I have a lot of ideas. I have some on my blog actually of how to get people to engage at dinner time. I mean, you could give them my my favorite idea is to actually have a table host. Um, Because if you were to have a dinner party, obviously you'd be able to introduce everyone to everyone and be like, Oh, you know, so-and-so they, they work in the same field you do. And you would be able to make those connections. Mm -hmm. But the couple usually isn't, you know, at, they're not at every table, so they don't have that opportunity. And people are just sort of left to their own devices to make those connections, which is just too much pressure to put on your guests, you know? Totally. And so I think if you, you know, maybe have a a host that would be like a dinner party host that can make those introductions that can make everyone feel comfortable, you know, other ideas are things like conversation menus, or um, there's this thing called 15 toasts where everybody at the table has to give a toast on a certain topic, things like that to help people, you know, interact that they, they just don't do it organically. We think that they will, but they, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, some people do obviously, but 
<laughs> yeah, I suppose that's the assumption when there's like two bottles of wine on the table. You're like, well, yeah. we'll just kind of lube them up and then hopefully, you know, the conversational thing. But you're, yeah. you're absolutely right because you do, especially, you know, like you said, with the big centerpieces and you're having to shout kind of over them or through them or, mm-hmm. you know, and you do have to shout because you big winds can mm-hmm. be quite loud. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It's not conducive to building rapport with other people right right and uh yeah yeah i mean the weddings i've been to it seems like you don't really make friends at weddings until the bus ride back to the hotel at the end of the night when everyone's really (laughs) drunk and then you're all best friends but Uh, i don't know i always found dinners at weddings to be a little awkward and i know i'm not alone and feeling that way yeah yeah Uh, Let's, let's spend a few moments sort of dreaming of a world in the future, mm-hmm. post-COVID. Yeah. And so this year has been quite transformative for the wedding industry and there's quite a lot of big changes mm-hmm. that have had to happen this year mm-hmm. and it, they'll probably impact on future years. What sort of changes and shifts in the industry have you seen th- from this year? I actually think that the the long-term shifts that are kind of come out of this are are going to be mostly positive. I think that people are realizing what's really essential when it comes to weddings, which is not, you know, a very expensive cake. It's the people and who can actually be there. And the people who've decided to still get married and not postpone um, are really having to be very intentional with their guest lists and really think about who the most important people are to them. But I think that even when weddings can happen again at full capacity, people are really going to want to capitalize on having their most important people there and making sure that those people are appreciated and and feel like that, that sense of belonging. So to me, this is sort of a prime time to start talking about this idea of experience design at weddings and really focusing on the people over the details and the relationships and the connections that can be made at weddings rather than, you know, just making it pure spectacle. Mm -hmm. I hope, I mean, I hope that's what happens to weddings, (laughs) but you also never know. I mean, people get a nostalgia for things the way they used to be, but I do think that this is going to have a long-term impact on the wedding industry and I hope it's for the better. I'm with you. I, I, I think it will be. Yeah, I think especially with people right now thinking, oh, my God, like even Christmas, like, oh, my God, like Christmas is just not going to be the same. Yeah. They're thinking, you know, they'll have all their presents, they've got their decorations, but they just don't have the people. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll put a, an interesting spin on, yeah, the, the, even just the way that we um, appreciate our day, our day to day. Yeah. Know? And I don't think we'll take it for granted gathering that many people in one place. And I think we'll try to make it really special for the people who can be there. I just will never take gathering for granted again. Maybe not never. I think in a few years, maybe we'll have forgotten, but (laughs) at least for a few years, we won't take for granted what it means to get everyone you love in one room. Yeah. So obviously we've spoken about, you know, how people can um, have a a more uh, intentional thought towards the gatherings that they have, the, Mm -hmm. the events that they have. And we've spoken about, you know, as as suppliers, how how we can incorporate uh, some more intention into our processes. Mm-hmm. But as photographers, as filmmakers, as wedding suppliers, how can we help couples prioritize and 
prioritize the, you know, their intention and purpose for weddings. Yeah, I mean, I think it's especially important for photographers and cinematographers to encourage couples to be more intentional about um, the relationships at weddings because it will yield better photography for everyone. Because mm-hmm. when you have those, when people are really thriving in a situation and really alive and really engaging with one another, I think that is way more interesting photographically than if you just have a bunch of people like scattered at different tables on their phones, which I've definitely seen at weddings. So, I mean, I think the idea behind experience design is just to really get people more engaged and um, to really make them participants more than just an audience. Otherwise you just have a bunch of guests. They're just kind of milling around. Um, (laughs) And so, I mean, I would like to see definitely people in the photography community encouraging their couples to, to think about these kind of things. And I mean, my, my long-term vision for the wedding industry is to kind of make this experiential shift and have more intention put into the the people and the relationships and maybe a little bit less so into just the details. But I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with details, of course, coming from a, a photography background. I love all of that stuff. Weddings are incredibly visually rich and, mm. and beautiful, but um but I think that people mistakenly think that that's really all that they can control, but we can actually influence how people engage with one another and we can do it pretty painlessly and um, invisibly. Like we don't have to make like uh, ice breaking activities or anything to get people to interact <laughs> with one another. It can be really small, simple things like having a table host that's, and maybe, you know, they don't even announce themselves. They're just like that friendly person at the table that, that uh, makes everyone feel good. Um, I mean, I think that that's just a really important shift I would like to see happen across the entire wedding industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I think weddings can be so much better. I mean, they can be so much better than these kind of, uh, (laughs) you know, underwhelming, you know, cookie cutter events. Yeah, no, totally. You know, when you get to that point where, like, most of your friends have been married, most of your family have been married, mm-hmm. and you're like, you know what, I, I miss being at a wedding. I miss yeah. that gathering with my family. And, you know, p- people say, oh, enjoy your wedding, because it's the only the real, the real only time you're really going to have the, the people that you love around you. Yeah. And I've always thought, why why is that? <laughs> like, why do, we need to, why do we need to have a... I mean, obviously, why why does it need to be a bringing of people together around a union of two people? Why can't it just be like a gathering of your family, just to have a gathering of your family? Yeah. Does that does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I've always thought that was really weird. So I've been trying to like think of ways that I can gather my family because they're all over the place some live in the borders some live right up north in scotland uh, west coast east coast like find something that i can gather a a reason to gather them all and i've thought about that a lot too because um i mean i would love to have a big gathering with like everyone i love but yeah my people live all over the world and Mm. um across an ocean and it does seem like you really need to get married to convince (laughs) people to make the journey yeah (laughs) I don't know. I thought about having like a big 40th birthday party or something. I mean, that ship has sailed, but, um, 
but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that we just associate wedding with like, all right, I'm going to have to spend some money. I'm going to have to make some effort. And, yeah. and I think people do make a lot of effort to get to weddings. We should really make it worth their while and just give them more than like a sad piece of chicken and some free booze. Like we should make <laughs> it be like a, a really incredible experience that they're never going to forget, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Our, fa- our family are like a really close family and like to get together. And we're lucky that at the start of this year, my mom had a big birthday. Yeah. So we got everybody together from oh, sort nice. of all over the world. Yeah. And it was amazing. Like she, ne- she didn't want a party to begin with. She was like, no, no, I don't want a fuss. Don't want that. And now having had that and oh, what's yeah. transpired in the rest of the year, it's like, thank goodness we had that. Yeah. Mm. But it's sort of our family are still having Zoom calls every month. Oh, that's great. Like, Once this is over, we're all going to some place together like yeah. whether it's man and uncle's house or sister's house we're all going to get together it won't be for any reason other than now we can oh, absolutely yeah same i can't wait to see my my whole family i have a huge family in in the states and i haven't seen most of them in two years so <laughs> i'm you know i'm dying for that you know big get together yeah and I hope no one has to get married to make it happen. But <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> if that's well, what it takes, then <laughs> I mean, I, we'll I, make I, it I, I've been thinking about this issue for quite some while, and I've not thought of anything really that meaningful apart from, oh, my wife's going to be turning forties kind of soon. So you know, oh, I'll just plan a big birthday party and give people plenty of notice. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you can. I hope you- I hope you weren't planning a surprise party because you know she's listening to you. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> she got the surprise party when she was thirty, so. Oh uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, right. that's fine. Too, too old to keep surprises, Greg. That's 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 not good relationship building there, pal. I've totally have, my mind's gone off track. Uh, anyway, uh, oh yeah, if if you have any uh, ideas that can inspire me for for gathering my family uh, do let yeah. me know do let me know absolutely <laughs> um talk to us about crafting the intangible your your workshop oh yeah yeah I know so website. yeah like so um it's it's a four-week workshop that i have been offering for uh mostly for wedding planners to mm-hmm. learn experience design so that they can deliver kind of more experiential uh, experiences <laughs> for for their wedding clients. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I have two coming up. I have one in January, which I actually think is full, and then one coming up in March. And my dream is to one day be hosting these in person and to be, you know, kind of traveling around to different cities and, mm-hmm. and be able to do that in person. I mean, that's my dream. Because also I want to be able to create an experience from the workshop and – and that's what I would ultimately like to be doing. But for now, it's it's mostly for wedding planners. But actually, I I hosted a free webinar last week, and a lot of the people were uh, were couples, brides or grooms that are getting married and were looking for inspiration to how to make their weddings, I guess, more meaningful. So I think I'm going to also consider maybe offering one for couples as well. Um, that would be very cool. Yeah. I mean, I have to be slightly more personalized, so I'll have to think about that. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's basically what I'm doing now is I do experience design for weddings. I help couples design the experiential side of their weddings. And then I teach these workshops. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So uh, where can it. where can our listeners find out more information about that? Yeah. So my website is comfortstudio.com and everything's on there. And obviously you're not, you're not on TikTok, unfortunately. I am not. I am not on <laughs> um, but you're on Instagram, Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. My Instagram is Comfort Studio Berlin and my Facebook is just Comfort Studio. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So definitely listeners, check her out. Thank you. And uh, in fact, uh, go, go check Julie's blog because there's um, a whole host of uh, written content for you to, to indulge your eyes in. Yeah, yeah, um, and I'll keep posting ideas there as well for yeah. how people can do this at their own events. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, well, Julie, thank thank you very much for for joining us today. Well, thank w- you when for you emailed, me. I was like, I, I have no idea what design experience is. <laughs> so you so you have opened you you you've opened my eyes, my mind to the possibilities of of just putting a little bit more thought into the way that I go about living my life actually just in general just living my life i need to put more thought into yeah cool <laughs> so thank you for that well thank yeah, you thanks for, for joining me. us yeah it was a pleasure and everyone can find us at cinemate films on instagram facebook youtube and now tiktok and obviously. now tiktok yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't think we're ever going to get the success of that second video greg no but it's been fun Taking a weekender at it. Anyway, TikTok, yeah. As Simon said at the top of the show, this is the Christmas special, as he called it. Not really Christmas themed, but you know. Hey! Uh, it's the last episode, last episode we're recording of the year. So we're going to take a few weeks break. We'll come back to you in the new year with some awesome content. Reach out to us on Instagram with any suggestions of guests that we should get on. And we'll see you in the new year. That's right. Have a wonderful Christmas. Have a happy holidays. If you're not celebrating Christmas, have a wonderful new year and uh, we wish you all the best. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did hit that subscribe button, so you know when the next episode goes online, please leave a review. I know that's uh, such a a bother to to ask you to do that, but it does massively help grow the podcast. But if you don't want to do that, just uh, tell your cat. However, until next time. Ho, ho, ho. Enjoy your life. Mm. <laughs> what? I'm just winding up. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>